Good evening. Good evening. My name is Lissette and I'm your host. Welcome to the broadcast. Tonight we continue on Altars, The Fire Will Never Die Out by Apostle Stephen A. Garner. We are on chapter two and we are speaking on altars and generational encounters. And this is the first encounter he's speaking of. So before we get started, I ask that you bow your heads. I pray right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father God, that your people would hear your voice, that they would know, Father, that you want to take them to a deeper relationship with you. I ask, Father God, that you bring complete revelation upon them, the tongue of the learned, Father God, an insight and a clarity that your word would perform miracles in their lives, miracle new eyesight, miracle new hearing, Father God, a new revelation, uh, a great big heartbeat for you, Father God, miracles in your presence, miracles in blessings, miracles, Father God, in overturning of, um, Father God, just um, hopelessness or, uh, Father God, uh, a doubt and despair, Father God, that you would bring complete restoration in, in, in a miraculous form, Father God. I ask you of this, and I pray, Father, your blessings over your people. I ask that you use their hands, Father. Lift up your hands right wherever you're at right now. Father God, I pray you touch their hands, Father God, and that you reveal to them what it is that you would desire for them to do, Father God. I pray that you give them visions and dreams and that you would bless him, bless them with clarity and direction, that they would know without a doubt the people they're to speak to, the, 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 what they're to do. Father God, and I pray, Father, that the obedience of God would wax strong in their lives, Father God. I ask, Father, your, your word says obedience is better than sacrifice. Father God, that you would create a people of sacrifice, I mean, uh, of obedience and sacrifice, Father God. I pray, Father God, that you would rise these remnants and that you would bring them resources, Father God, to do your perfect will. And I pray, touch your lips. I pray you touch their lips, Father God, that they would learn your word rapidly. Father God, as you give them revelation from your word and, and dreams and visions and Father God, through songs and Father, continue to speak into them life and life in abundance and your blessings and promise in the name of Jesus, that they would know that your miraculous power is through your identity, that they would know that you are their father first and foremost. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Genesis 12, 7, King James Version says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed, Will I give this land? And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. This is the first reference to Abraham at the altar. Notice how the Lord appeared to him. Scriptures doesn't give us insight into what form the Lord appeared. However, 
proclamation is made concerning the future of the of people who have yet to emerge concerning them inheriting land abram's response was the constructing of the altar there are several truths i want to bring out the first one being where we construct our altar is important a promise of land was made and the altar was built exactly there and not in a remote location okay let's pause here uh he talks about this altar for us you know many times it, it's the church but here in our homes and where we're at we can create our altar in our closets in our bedrooms in a quiet space in our homes and in e even outdoors it could be a location that you go to daily and you create your commune with him um and it, it continues to say um remember that an altar is where covenants are made the covenant promise was for land to be given to people who weren't on the scene yet the altar secures the reception the reception of land for a people who were to come there are times and seasons to come that will often require the consumption of that time with the construction of an altar all right let's Let's break this down a little bit because he was not only creating this altar, but he was creating it for the next generation, which is what our daddy in heaven does, right? So there was a few things that stuck out to me in this first paragraph that I read. And first of all, um, he says scriptures doesn't give us insight into what form the lord appeared it's so amazing because god appears in our life all the time he's with us all the time he doesn't sleep he doesn't slumber he's with us 24 7. he's father son holy spirit and it didn't specify there but when we hear from god and he is present, there's this peace that comes upon you. Um, it could happen when you're worshiping and his presence, his presence just falls on you. It can be through songs. It can be through you speaking in tongues. It can be even in dance. I know that many times when I see dancers, all of a sudden I see angelic activity and I see God's presence. It can be in drawings. The Holy Spirit invokes and in drawings and he speaks to you. Um, so it is a limitless. What I'm trying to say is God speaks to us so many ways. It's limitless in audibly, in an all-knowing, in visions, in dreams. Um, his presence just comes upon us. Uh, for me, my hands tingle. Um, um, there's also the senses that you feel, um, you hear, you see things. I, sometimes there's angels. You'll actually be, you know, standing somewhere and you can see angelic activity. 
uh, through smell, a sweet aroma. And you'll be like, oh my God, God, just enter a breeze. Um, it, it, it's it, like I said, sometimes I feel it when in my hands, um, I see it, I smell it, I feel it. Uh, so there's many ways, it's countless ways that we will feel and hear God's God speak and his presence to us. The other thing that stuck out to me is that Abram was uh, constructing an altar for an he was inheriting uh, this land and he was constructing constructing this altar. And that too got my attention. Let me read something for you. Give me a second here. Um, here it is. Uh, inherit. So God, it's, there's over a hundred scriptures in the Bible that speaks of our inheritance. We need to look them up, memorize them, stand on them, proclaim them, believe them, um, invoke them, declare them. Amen. But I'm going to give you a sum that I just um, pulled up. Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's beautiful. Psalms 37, 11. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We inherit that because we have sonship. He's our daddy. Psalms 37, 9. For, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Um, uh, Revelation, here's another one. Revelation... Uh, 21 7 the one who conquers will have this inher heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son that's all inheritance inheritance there's over 100 scriptures on our inheritance the other thing that I noticed is he was uh, it was a land that was promised to him because of his obedience this land was promised to Abram and everybody that was with him benefited from it. So there are scriptures on promise, and I'm I can be here for a very long time with scriptures, but we want to get through this. Joshua 1:3. I promise you what I promised Moses. Whatever you set your foot, wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. Wherever I set your foot. You will be on land I have given you. That's just, that's, that just makes me want to shout. Hebrews 11.9 says, And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Promise is ours, and it goes from generation to generation. As a matter of fact, 
It says here, remember that an altar is where covenants are made. The covenant promise was for land to be given to people who weren't on the scene yet. The altar secured the reception of land for a people who were to come. There are times and seasons to come that will often require the commit com consumption of that time with the construction of an altar. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Now, therefore, the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to the a thousand generations. Your obedience will have a ripple effect for a thousand generations. He was just one man. Could you imagine how many? He was the father of nations. He inherited all of that because of his obedience. And I'm just in awe about that. And he created all these altars for generations to come. Amen. So before um, I continue, I also want to discuss what exactly altars are. I'm going to say this as quick as possible, okay? An altar is a structure upon which offers such as sacrifices are made for religious purposes. It was usually a raised platform with a flat surface. There are over 400 references to altars in the Bible. And then it goes on to speak of Noah was one of the first ones. The second altar that was made was Canaan and Abram. Um, and it, it just continues. There was another, um, altars were made with, with Moses. When Moses was traveling, they would just use the material they had on the go and they would create altars as they went along. And I'm just like paraphrasing because I'm trying to get through all of this. And this is all scripture. It's all in the book of Genesis. You can start reading it there. Um, obviously there was a time when there was demonic altars too, but we're talking about blessings today. Sometimes God himself commands that an altar be built after he has delivered someone in a miraculous way. And that's Deuteronomy 27, four through seven. And that is amazing too, right? Uh, when God gave instruction to the tabernacle, there was, um, you know, he also gave detailed instruction for the, the king, the kind of uh, altar the courtyard should maintain. That's Exodus 27, one through eight. And he continues to talk about that form of altar. Um, okay. In the broadest sense, an altar is mere, merely a designated place where a person consecrates himself to someone or something. Many churches build Buildings have altars for prayer, communion, weddings, and other sacred purposes. Some Christians create their own altar for personal worship. And, and we're not saying a shrine. I am not talking about no shrine. I'm talking about you having a one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm talking about you uh, sitting at his feet. It can be in your closet. It can be in your bedroom. It can be in your living room. It can be a designated room just for him where you worship him. You speak to him. You read his word because he speaks to you through his word as well. Amen. That's an altar. And it's a specific time that you have just for him. Amen. 
Um, every human heart has an in invisible altar where the war between the flesh and the spirit rage. When we surround surrender areas of our lives to the control of the Holy Spirit, we are in effect laying the area on the altar before God. We lay ourselves before God and whatever it is that we don't want to give up. You know, there's many times you're in the flesh, but the spirit is like, hey, you know, you got to give this up. It can help to uh, visualize Abraham's altar where he offered his son Isaac. And this is once Abram became Abraham. Okay. Um, he offered his son. And because of his obedience, he didn't sacrifice him because um, the sacrificial lamb was there, you know, placed there by God. Amen. So I just wanted to speak a little bit of altars so that we can get uh, a little more clarity on this. Second, God is drawing drawn to altars constructed when he makes promises to people. Remember, altars of old were con con conduit for spiritual forces to move in and out of the earth realm. I like that. This truth that began with Abram will be seen in the generations of Isaac and Jacob. Lastly, wherever and whatever current force operating on the land of promise must yield its hold when our God appears. That is yielding its hold. The altar surely, uh, I'm sorry, the altar assures us of his presence. One more significant significant point I want to bring out about the land is its resources. God has health, resources, people in every land, wherever govern, whoever governs the land can also have at their disposal all that's within the boundaries of the land. The prince of the altar of the heirs understands this very well. He has positioned his cohorts and those who have pledged allegiance to him through their reject, rejection of Christ. He elevates them to positions of power in order to secure control over the land. Many churches are struggling in just to get many churches are struggling just to get a building. Some are dealing with strenuous bureaucracy, um, processes, zoning issues, neighborhood, communities, and other entitles that are hell-bent on keeping them from owning land. This is especially true in metropolitan areas that generate vast amounts of resources. I believe that this satanic assignment can be broken. The land can be redeemed and the righteous can prevail if we construct our altars unto the Lord and hollow sacred space for him with our intercession. The level of impact needed to prevail will come forth and the will of our God will be done. Abram's journey into the fulfillment of promise was met with much resistance and warfare. His son Isaac and Jacob would have their fair share, but God would, God's word 
would eventually prevail. Amen. God bless you until the next segment. I will see you soon.